0: for the power of the cross thank you for the power of the cross that's in this place tonight Jesus thank, thank you Jesus. Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah, hallelujah hallelujah if you have a bible if you turn to Hebrews chapter 9 or if you would scroll to Hebrews chapter 9 Verse number 27, I'd like to read two verses of scripture to you tonight as we get started. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27 says this, and as it and as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Verse 27 again. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. Father, thank you for your presence that we feel in this place tonight. Your spirit that has been manifested during our worship. And I pray now, God, that your spirit would speak to hearts and lives that are in this place tonight, God. A message, a word that would come from you that would apply to the hearts and the lives of the individuals in this place where they are in life right now, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We could, if you wanted tonight, we could debate what happens after death. We could argue about what takes place after the last breath is breathed and the heart pumps for the last time, and we could argue for as long as we wanted to about it, and really in a lot of ways there's not necessarily that I know of an absolute concrete proof to say to you there's life after death. There are those that have had after death experiences and now even movies that have been made of them, but let's be honest, it's still easy to kind of sit with some degree of skepticism and and doubt as to whether or not that really happened, and so I, I will grant it to you tonight that from my perspective we could argue and debate what happens after death, but there's one thing that I don't think there's any debate over, and that is the fact that we will die. There may be an uncertainty, and we may have differing opinions about what happens after death, but I don't think there's anybody here tonight that doubts death is inevitable. You don't know your appointment with death, and I don't know my appointment with death. There's no such thing as a life that goes prematurely. There's no such thing as a life that went unexpectedly to God, that is. Because the scripture says it is appointed. There is a time that is set. Whether it's by you leaving here tonight and pulling onto the highway and a car that you did not see blindsiding you and that's the way you go. How you go is not necessarily the issue. You will go and you will go at God's appointed time. I don't care what pill you take. I don't care what drink you drink. You can nip it, you can tuck it, you can stretch it, you can lift it, you can take it off, you can do whatever you want to do to prolong it. It is inevitable that you will die. In addition to that, here is the problem that you and I have with death. Paul said it this way in Romans 3 and 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who does all leave out? There is no exception. For those of you that may be a guest tonight, my name is David Wright. That's my father sitting over there in the light blue shirt. He is the founder of this church. Started it in 1970 and I was benefited and blessed to be born into a godly home. And I've been raised in the church. I've never done drugs. I've never drank alcohol, never smoked a cigarette. And I was a virgin when I got married. Pretty dull, boring life. Plenty of mistakes that I made along the way. But all the big stuff I never did. And yet, according to what Paul said, I, just as much as the drug addict and the, and the alcoholic and the sex offender and the murderer, all of us have sin. The issue is not really what kind of sin, because sin, no matter what kind of sin, will send you to hell. It seems to me as though we have sort of come up with this subconscious scale of sin, and we kind of have a one-to-three scale that most of us, if we participate in the one-to-three sins, it's not that big of a deal, and every now and then you might really mess up and do a kind of a four or five or six maybe, but, you know, most of us tonight, we stay out of the seven-to-ten category. That's the really bad stuff. I'm sorry to tell you there is no place in this book from Genesis to Revelation that gives any kind of validity to that idea. The bottom line is Scripture says it's sin. A white lie is just as much a sin as a murdering somebody. Sin is sin and all have sinned. For In Romans 5 and 12, Paul says this as well. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All. All. Jesus said there's none good. No, not one. All of us have sinned, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter what kind of home you were raised in. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what economic background you came up from, what degree of education you have. What None of that really matters. We are all sinners that are in need of a Savior. All have sin, all will die, and after that comes the judgment. We had this week, first time and to my knowledge perhaps it has happened before and I didn't realize it but at least with someone that's very intricately involved in our church again from my recollection forgive me if I'm forgetting someone I apologize but this past week we had a young man who received a kidney transplant I'm very happy to tell you that overall everything is going well and if you have not heard Andrew went home from the hospital today we are very thankful for that. The kidney is functioning well, and other than the basically to be expected stuff, things are going fairly well. The other day, my wife made this statement to me that, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Brant had made to her in explaining some of the things that were going on, and the statement was that the donor experiences more pain than the recipient. Brother Brandt made the statement to me that the reason that is, is because for the donor, something is being removed. And for the recipient, something is being received. And I realize, as Andrew could tell you firsthand, there's still lots of pain and complications that go along with that. But I found it very interesting to hear that it was more painful for the donor. And I got to thinking about the ultimate donor. The amazing thing about the ultimate donor is it wasn't a kidney that was being given. It wasn't a lung that was being given. It wasn't something like that that the idea from my very layman understanding is the donor is expected to give an organ but still be able to function healthy and normal the problem is the need that you and I had for a transplant wasn't a kidney, and it wasn't a lung, and it wasn't a liver. But it was a greater need that we had to be donated than that. And Jesus himself really summed it up well in a verse that probably just about every person in this place tonight could quote. And that is John chapter 3 and verse number 16. And it says that God so loved. It wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of resentment. It wasn't out of malice. It wasn't out of pressure. But it was a motivated by love decision that He was going to give us what we needed. But the problem, as I've already said, was it wasn't simply an organ that we needed. It wasn't simply to receive a kidney that would function in place of kidneys that have failed. But what you and I had need of was life itself. Because I was a sinner and you were a sinner, the only thing that could take the place of death was life. And so for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder if I got just a few apostolics here tonight that are not bored by the fact still that God so loved that He was willing to give. I realize we passed that a long time ago. But the bottom line, the only reason we can be in this tent tonight and do what we are doing is because God so loved. The Amplified Bible says it this way, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. That He even gave up His only begotten unique Son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on Him should not perish, come to destruction, be lost but have eternal everlasting life. Perhaps to those of you that may not be that familiar with the apostolic faith, I don't want to get you too confused at this moment to something that may be a completely new idea to you. But we don't believe that this was God the Father who looked over at His Son. Come here, Timothy. Hurry up. Hurry up. Quickly, quickly. Run. Run. We need to talk about the difference between walking and running tonight. This is my son Timothy. What would you think of me if you were in need? And I said, I love you so much. Let me see a chair real quick, please. You see that? I love you so much. I'm going to kick back on my throne with a front row seat and send my son. I'm going to let him go and suffer. What kind of father would you think I was? Thank you. You can walk back now. No, for God so loved us. That he took on the form of a man. And the only way for there to be a transplant of death to receive life. Was that he had to come himself and make that exchange. Not to just give us an organ and donate an organ. But to be willing to give his life for my life. So that I can live and give him my death. You see, we we got a little bit of a problem today because we're living in a world that likes to rename stuff. We're living in this politically correct world, and so you're... You're 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 not excuse me, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but you're not fat, you're just horizontally challenged, and you're not short, you're just vertically challenged, and we got all these things that we can say not to say what offends, and so nowadays we call it a disease, or we call it an addiction, or we call it an alternative lifestyle. Can I tell you tonight the word of God that is superior to any modern day terminology and philosophy calls it all sin and you You can't change the definition of sin. And you can't change the punishment for sin. That's why the government can pass any law it wants to pass, to make anything acceptable. And yet when you participate in something that the government says is okay, but God says is wrong, you will deal with the heartache and the pain and the shame and the suffering. Because it doesn't matter what Congress says, the Word of God is eternally written. And it is forever settled. Part of the reason we got the problems we have in the world today is because we won't call sin sin and we won't call sinners sinners. I'm not being critical and judgmental tonight because I'm not done preaching and I got good news. But I do need to remind us and let some of you know perhaps you either were or you still are a sinner. The bottom line is none of us are saved yet. We are presently living as sinners saved by grace, but I'm still striving until I hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. All have sinned. All have a death punishment. All need a life transplant. There's no way I am not capable. Others could do a better job at it than I can because they got a vocabulary that is better than mine, but even with a better vocabulary, there is still no way to truly get across the awesomeness of what God did for you and I by being willing to become one of us and make the exchange of your death for His life. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 1 says this, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief. And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And verse number 5 says this, and this is the primary verse in this passage I want to draw your attention to. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. I want you to notice in the first half of that verse with regards to our transgressions and our iniquities. The prophet Isaiah says, He was wounded for, not because. He was wounded for our transgressions and for our iniquities. I was wounded several times growing up because of my transgressions and because of my iniquities, i.e., I got spanked. I got spanked because of what I did. I got spanked because of my decisions to disobey. But I think there's great significance in the fact that the the prophet Isaiah did not say he was wounded because of. He was wounded for. For. Meaning, he looked at you and I and saw our transgressions and saw our iniquities and was not punished for them, but chose to do what he did so that you and I could have a way out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1 says this, And you hath he quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. I wonder if I got anybody tonight here that can identify with what Paul is saying. In time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I like the what this next verse says. But God. But God. This is how you used to live. This is how you used to act. This is how you used to walk. But God by grace, for by grace, not because of anything I've done to deserve it, not because of anything I've done to be worthy of it, but by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift, the gift. Last passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 In verse number 9, Paul says something fairly similar to what he said in Ephesians. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That is a death sentence. And there's not a one of us in this place tonight that cannot identify with at least one of those things on that list. There's not an adult in this place tonight that at some point in life has not been guilty of one of those things. And Paul says, if you were one of those things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the world has this concept. Whatever you were. That's what you will always be. I mean no disrespect to the efforts of the world to help. And I know they've helped many people. But it just shows you. The weakness of man's efforts. Because they say. Once an alcoholic. Always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict. Always a drug addict. You are, you are at best just a recovering alcoholic. You are at best a recovering drug addict. But can I tell you tonight, that's not what the word of God says. And that's not the hope that you and I are given. Because while Paul says all of those things cannot inherit the kingdom of God, in the next verse he says this, and such Were some of you. And such were some of you. If you were that. You can't get into heaven. And so Paul says. You're not that anymore. How is it that I'm not that anymore? Because we have been washed. We have been sanctified. And we have been justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the spirit of our God. Paul says, for those that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I have taken off my guilt and my shame and all of my failures. And I have put on his innocence as a free gift. And then Paul says, if any man be in Christ. How do you get in Christ? You're baptized in Christ. But once you get in Christ, Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Here's the problem. The word new has a lot of different meanings to us. Just across the highway right over there is a consignment shop. I know that because there are folks in my household that Go by there. And they bring stuff home, and this is what I hear. I got a new skirt, a new dress, a new this or a new that. If you were to go tomorrow to a used car lot and find a car on that lot that you could afford, you would drive off of there And you would call or you would text your friends and you would say, Guess what? I got a new car. Maybe a 1970 Pinto or whatever year they made Pintos. But it's new. And that's what you tell people. I got a new car. Because what you mean is like the name of the one consignment shop. New talking about when he said you are a new creature in Christ is not no offense a consignment shop new and it's not a used car lot new but the kind of new that Paul is talking about I don't know a better way to say it than this it's like going to the Ferrari factory and when that car gets off of the assembly line Before anybody else touches it. Before anybody else drives it. You get in the seat and turn on the engine and drive off. That is a new car. Can I tell somebody tonight as the musicians come. I don't preach to you tonight. That you can become a consignment shop kind of new. I'm not here tonight to tell you, you can just simply become a recovering whatever you were. But the good news is that even though it is appointed unto man once to die, and there is supposed to be judgment after death, I can do what the scripture says, and rather than waiting to get to judgment and all of my sins come after me, I can send them ahead so that when I arrive at judgment, There's not going to be all kind of evidence against me. There's not going to be all kinds of witnesses about my past and what I have done. But there is going to be blood that gets applied to everything that I did. And it's going to completely wash it all away. And I will be a brand new person. a guest here tonight, I am not preaching to you some hypothetical sermon. I am not preaching to you some kind of great idea that hasn't been proven or tested. Because if you're a guest tonight, probably sitting not too far from you is somebody that used to be on drugs Probably sitting not too far from you is somebody that used to be addicted to alcohol. Probably sitting not too far from you, you might want to grab your purse if you have one. Because it's probably somebody that used to steal. But God, Who is rich. Who is rich. Not just a little bit. Not just a dose. But God who is rich in mercy. Decided to make an exchange with you and I. Stand if you would please. In this world we live in when you purchase something or you trade for something you try to get an equal value if you're the one trying to get something you want to bargain but if you're you're the one that has something you're trying to get rid of but it has value you want to try to make an equal exchange ever go to a yard sale where somebody's clearing out all their junk but they got it priced like it's brand new on the shelf I'll I'll give you two dollars are you kidding do you have any idea what I paid for that isn't that the point of why you're selling it so we don't want to get we don't want to get a gypped don't want anybody getting one over on us, but I got great news for you tonight. God is not into making fair exchanges. God is not into making exchanges of equal value because He said this bring me your ashes, and in exchange for your ashes. I will give you beauty. Bring me your garments of heaviness, your weighted downness, your burdens and everything that's got you pressured. Bring me that and I will give you a garment of praise that will lift you up. Bring me your mourning, your weeping, your sorrow and for that. I will exchange joy and I will exchange gladness. So if you're here tonight and you've got a trade that you would like to make, you've got some brokenness and you've got some shame and you've got some sin that is weighing you down, there is a Savior in this place tonight who is anxiously waiting to make an exchange with you. I would like to ask you if you would, out of out of courtesy to those that may be around you, if everybody that's willing and comfortable, if just standing where you are, if you would just close your eyes just for a moment. That old rugged cross that we sang about tonight, That is the point at which mercy intervenes in our lives. And from that point forward, we can be forever different. And the access to that cross is in this place tonight. If you are in need of making an exchange tonight, if you've got a burden of sin that you've been carrying, if you've got some guilt and shame you've been weighted down with, I would like to invite you to step out of your seat and make your way down to the front near this stage and give the Lord the opportunity tonight to make a trade with you. If you've come into this place tonight and you've got addictions in your life, can I tell you that Jesus Christ is able to set you free tonight and you will never be bound again. In the name of Jesus, church, would you look around, please? Would you be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord in this place right now? Would you be sensitive to those that may be around you right now that the Holy Ghost might be wanting to touch tonight? Maybe you're not a guest. Maybe you come here regularly, but you got some stuff you've been carrying, and you need to lay it down tonight. Maybe you've got some things you need to exchange, Just because you did it in the past, doesn't mean there's not a need to do it again, and again, and again, and
1: again. again. Oh, it washes, it washes, it washes white as snow. Oh, the power of the blood. Oh, the power of the blood. Oh, the blood the blood of Jesus there is no
0: sin that the blood can't take care of there is no failure that the blood of Jesus Christ can't take care of there is
1: no mistake that you've ever made that the blood of Jesus cannot take care of oh it washes it washes it washes white as snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of
0: Jesus. Why don't you let God make a trade with you tonight? Why don't you give your death sentence to Him and allow Him to give you life? Why don't you give Him
1: your death sentence? Let him give you life everlasting. Oh, Oh, the blood. How about some more of you church folks that would
0: make your way down and join us in the altar? Can I get some more folks? Maybe you don't need to pray for yourself but you would just come and be a part of the flowing of the Spirit of God that's in this place right now. He
1: washes, he washes, it washes. He washes,
0: you Why don't you let him wash you again tonight? Maybe you need him to
1: wash you for the first time. Maybe you've
0: been washed
2: before
1: i wash you again! exactly! Oh reach It doesn't matter how low you may be, the blood can reach you. It's the blood, it's the blood from
0: is still ministering in this place and we're not going to cut that off yet. I need you, brethren, to remember we need some help in a few moments. Please, brethren, I need some of you to help us in a few moments. But the Holy Ghost is still working and we're going to give Him a little more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. able to find us wherever we are, Jesus.
1: Oh, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah.
0: Help us out. Come on, brethren. I know some of you want to get out of here, but we've got people that have been working all day. And I get about 10 men. I see about three men, four, five. Come on, brethren. I need about five more of you that can help us. Get a couple more, brethren. Get a couple more, brethren. And I get two or three more, two or three more. Was with-